Hey, greetings family. I come to you this morning from Gate Ministries in Dundee in the name of Jesus. We want to ask God to bless our meeting this morning because I believe it's going to be of critical importance that we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, that we hear what God is saying today and begin to judge the situations around us and begin to understand that God, surely our Father, not as God who's a universal entity, but your Father, my Father, the role that he plays in our lives, and your responsibility to respond to that love of God. And I beg you to pay attention to what the Scripture is saying. I do not count much on my experience, my walk with God, because it is personal. And sometimes he will deal with uh, those personal things in a personal way to me, just as he will deal with you in a personal way, because you are an entity in which the Bible calls you, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So you are complete in yourself. And uh, in our completeness, when we come together and then we build the temple of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible is clear in saying, iron must sharpen iron. So none of us can uh, work independently. None of us is an island to ourselves. We are all interconnected. That's why the Bible says we are the body of, of, of Christ. And if we are the body surely he must be then the head. There's no way where the scripture says the church is the head of anything. I know uh, some people will erroneously say a pastor is the head of the church. No, no, he can never be the head of the church. He's part of the body. He might just have a different function to the rest of the congregants, but uh, he's still part of the body. He cannot operate as a head because then uh, who then oversees him if he becomes the head. And so let us understand that each and every one of us have a critical role to play in the body of Jesus Christ. And I've been, in this past week, I've been really just meditating on our role in the body of Jesus Christ. And then I see that we have been dominated by, over the past year, we have been, uh, well, uh, 2020, we were dominated by a foreign force that came to ingratiate itself in us. And uh, some even prospered in wearing the mask that was written COVID-19. They went all out to advertise the enemy and make the enemy become dominant that they wore this thing here with pride. And uh, thank God some have uh, are coming out of that and some have made their own. I was in Peter Marisburg yesterday and I saw in Pastor Salvin's church they're wearing, some of them are wearing the mask and they have uh, the church being advertised on the mask. And I thought, okay, that's a beautiful statement to make that uh, I am of Christ. Even in this year, I will trust the Lord Jesus Christ to keep me safe from the attacks of the enemy. 
be careful what you advertise because what you advertise, you will become a slave to, to that. If you will speak about the word of God, the word of God will become dominant in your life. The word of God will become your lifeline even when things seem to be turning against you. So do not just, or should I say, be careful what you pay attention to because that which you are pay paying too much attention to will grab your attention. Your life will begin to revolve around that thing. And so uh, we are going to take some lessons from uh, old Abraham. I found uh, this year in the book of Romans chapter 4 that uh, Abraham, even in his old age, Scripture says he staggered not in believing what God had said. I know there was an instance where Sarah did not quite go along with what uh, the word was delivered to them, that she will be his son. And so in her unbelief, she went and got Hagar, and Hagar bore Ishmael. And Ishmael has remained the sword of Damocles over the children of Israel and over the entirety of the body of Jesus Christ. We are always under threat from the children of Ishmael, continuously under threat, undermined at every given moment. They undermine the name of Jesus Christ. And so I would have you today to really reassess what keeps you going for the things of God. I uh, would hope that uh, lots of people would listen to this message and uh, <clears throat> share it with uh, your loved ones, with your friends, who might be, <clears throat> excuse me, who might be caught up in the fear of the current situation. And uh, we need to come to that place where we learn to believe the prophetic word that God promised. And a prophetic word in this instant, I'm not talking about somebody coming to prophesy over you. I am talking about prophesying the word of God that is written, which is universal. It is for every person that will read the word of God. They will find the promise of God that resonates with what they want in, in their tomorrow. And they begin to prophesy. Do not prophesy fear. Because I tell you what, I have seen so many people prophesy wrongly over their own lives. You know, um, we are working our way out of, you know, when right now people ask, how's the job situation? And we, it's easy to say, hey, you know, under the circumstances we are struggling. And what are you doing? What am I doing at that time? I am prophesying to my tomorrow that I am struggling. But uh, the reality is, uh, the word of God is clear that uh, Jesus said, I have come. I have come that they might have life and have it more in abundance. That is a prophetic word that came out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, which voice then am I prophesying when I say I'm struggling under the circumstances? There's no in scripture where Jesus said, well, I came to introduce you to the struggle. He said, I need you to come into me that you might find rest. And when, I'm re when any person is at rest, I've never seen them struggling. 
Resting in this year doesn't mean lying on your back and waiting for a handout from somewhere. It means I rest, in a, I rest and yet I am working. And in my working, I work to produce that which I need and then some, that which I'm able to provide for my uh, retirement days. I was very, very afraid of my uh, retirement days because I really felt that I had not provided enough. Really, that's a, that's a truth. If I only knew how to be properly advised, how to prepare for my retirement age, I would have done a better job. But I had discovered yesterday that I am not as bad off as I thought I was. So if I choose to retire tomorrow, I think I can comfortably live at least for the next 20 years without having to disturb anybody's peace. So... I am entering into my rest. That God, the God who began a good work in you, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or even begin to think. For he has promised that that good work that he began in you, he's able to bring it to completion. And so I will ask you once again, you learn how to prophesy into your tomorrow. We have prophesied so wrongly. We have prophesied fear all over our tomorrow. Do not short circuit your tomorrow because you lack understanding of the word of God. If there's something in your reading of scripture, you don't understand how it pans out, just read on. Just read on. You will find as you go down whatever you are reading, you will find an explanation that will send you right back again where you had question marks. And God is able to answer. Read the Bible in faith. Do not uh, read the Bible because you're looking for promises. L read the Bible because you want to find God. You want to find your place in God. Why is my life in existence today? Because we are here by his behest. We are not here of our own. We are here to fulfill God's mandate. And God's mandate is that we become the salt of the earth. That we have to keep in mind, that we are the salt of the earth. And when we keep our saltiness, then we earn the right to stand on the mountaintops and become the light of the world. And so this morning, I want to uh, work on our faith, work on our faith. So let us see a man who had to uh, epitomize, the scripture says, he is a part of the picture of those who stood in faith against all odds. And I tell you what, each and every one of us is tested in our faith levels. Because if your faith has never been tested, it means your faith has never been uh, used. Because once you begin to extend your faith, the enemy will come and try you on that. Yeah. <laughs> James says, when your faith is being tested, you need to rejoice because then it means your faith is being tested because it's beginning to work. And so the enemy will mount a challenge and it is at this point that now you need to learn how to trust him who made a promise. You see, sometimes we place our promises on he who prophesied. But he who prophesied over you, if he never heard God, then you will be in trouble. Because sometimes we can prophesy to be liked. 
We can prophesy, be, uh, prophesy over people because we like them. We want to see them prosper. And we say, well, I believe God is saying. But if God didn't say it, don't take it to the bank. But you can uh, 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 help yourself by going into the word of God. Did God say that? When I read where the man drew from, do I find the same conf confidence that God actually said it? And I think most of us at times, we have heard some genuine prophecies. But because of unbelief, those prophecies are held back. But uh, would God, those prophecies never die. They remain in force until you come in into your position. That you position yourself in Christ, you begin to take God at his word. This is what Abraham did. He took God at his word. Listen, let's uh, read just read Romans 4 from, uh, <clears throat> from verse 13. He says, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but it was through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made of no effect. And a promise made of no effect. Or says, uh, first, if, uh, faith is made void. And the promise, therefore, is made of no effect. Verse 15, it says, For the law works wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. In other words, if there is no law that governs anything, you cannot break anything. But once the law is introduced... You go against that law, then you become a transgressor. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure of, uh, to all the seed. Not to them only. Okay, um, I don't want to lose where we are going. Verse 18, it says, verse 18, it says, who, now this was from the promise that God made, that Abraham will become the heir. Of the whole world. In other words, the whole world would be blessed because of him. And, uh, and then in verse 18, he says, Who against hope believed in hope? <laughs> in other words, the situation was dire. The situation did not augur well for him at this point that he will have uh, a son that, will, that was of promise. You can have many sons. You can have many things that will come into your lot. But if it is not God's promise, then it means that those things are just by the wayside. If that which is of God is be, re be released upon you, then you will see the outflow or the fruitfulness of that thing. It will begin to multiply. It says, so verse 18 again, it says, Who against hoped he believed in God, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. That was a promise, that your seed shall be as many as the sand of the seashore, that they shall continue, which they still do up to today. And uh, we have become that through Jesus Christ. We have become a part of that uh, tree that keeps producing. It 
keeps producing continuously. It's never stopped and it will never stop as long as the, uh, the sun and the moon and the stars are, in, uh, are around us. That seed shall continue to reproduce itself. Verse 19. <clears throat> he says, and being not weak in faith, he considered, ay, 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 being not weak in faith. In other words, he didn't lie there and just say, well, I have faith in God. Oh, things will turn out well. I am just praying and hoping God is going to make it. No. He believed God. He believed that he who promised He's able to make it to come to pass. And so he saw his old age begin to count against. In other words, there were years that uh, between the time the promise was made and the manifestation of that promise, there was a, a time elapse that it was easy to say, oh, let's read on. Uh, and, it be, and, and being not weak in faith, verse 19, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness, oh, listen to the language, the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He did not allow unbelief to come and tamper with his faith. He stayed in faith. Circumstances said it is over, it is done, Abraham. And he said, no, he who made the promise, he is faithful. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us. Verse 21, and being fully persuaded that, that what he had promised, he was able to perform. That should be our, our uh, uh, revolving point, should become our pivot point that we hang on to. I know that there is a word that you know that God is about to do something spectacular in your life. But each time you think that is about to come to pass, somehow things begin to break down. Because you either get angry or you get frustrated because it's not coming to pass the time you thought it was. The word of God, do not stagger from that which you have been promised, that which you have believed. Stay on course, even if it seems like it's never going to pan out. Stay focused on what God has spoken to you. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake only, but it was imputed to him, but for us also to, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe. That's verse 24. Verse 24. Scripture is speaking to you and I this morning. Do not stagger from that which you believe in God for. Do not be moved by circumstances. Well, 
things happen, child of God. People believe things on the one side, but I want to ask you this morning, believe what God has spoken over your life. Only you know that desires of your heart Stay on course with that reality. For the reality of the word of God is far superior to the reality of what man will say. Even what people will prophesy over your life. You know what God has spoken to you. What he has filtered into your spirit man. You know, I can tell anybody you go and become a doctor. But if you want to be a carpenter, you will become a carpenter. You might play the doctor, but your main love will remain a carpenter. So don't go for the job because it's glamorous or it pays a whole lot of money. Oh, that, that's, but learn to trust God, even the very little, even the menial thing. When you do that thing with uh, integrity, you do it with love. When you love what you are doing, God will always prosper your hand. Don't remain small, a small thinker. Think big. Think big. Okay. Verse 24 again. It says, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed. In other words, it shall be credited to us if we believe. If we believe. On him that raised up Jesus out, Jesus our Lord from the dead. Who was delivered for our offenses and he was raised again for our justification. Oh Lord Jesus. Verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus become a pivot point for a believer. You cannot say you believe in God and then you have a shoddy understanding of who Jesus is. You have a shoddy understanding of the importance of the cross you have a shoddy understanding of his death and his resurrection. If you still question those uh, things, you need to speak to somebody to really, really explain to you how these things here yeah, come together. You need to get a grip of the, of the Old Testament. Understand that it has been prophetically prophesied over and over again that Jesus would come, that he will die on the cross, that he will rise again, that all that come to him might have eternal life. But... Uh, Eternal life is in our future. We are here now. We are living today. And the Bible says we have to learn how to live by faith. And living by faith, uh, James says, uh, we need to learn how to pray. And when we do pray, we pray in faith. We pray believing. And then if our faith, James uh, stresses, if our faith has got no works in it, then it is dead. And so, let us look at uh, Matthew chapter 25, talking about works, talking about uh, staying in faith, talking about uh, remaining relevant to what God is doing at any given moment. 
for I, uh, my understanding as I wrote it this morning in my book. Um, I, I wrote here, our lives must remain a preparation to meet the bride constantly, constantly. And uh, I marvel at uh, the, the, the way the church is operating just uh, right now. God has allowed the virus to separate us as a unit. But if you have allowed yourself to be separated from God, then you will not hear even the very words that I'm speaking to you. But if you have kept your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will hear what I am saying to you this morning. That our lives must remain a preparation every day. The Bible says, pick up your cross and follow me. And you cannot say, I follow uh, Jesus Christ when you stay out of conversation with your brothers and your sister. You have to remain. Otherwise, what sharpens you? If you, you can read the Bible to yourself, for yourself, and by yourself. But if, it has, if you, your Bible knowledge has no outward expression, James says, then it is dead. Because uh, if iron sharpens iron, it means I must be able to uh, release a word to you. You must be able to release a word to me. That uh, our understanding of where we are going begins to gel together. That we grow together. That we move at the same pace. Remember the story of uh, Miriam when she began to scandalize Moses for the wife that he had married. And uh, the, the Lord says, uh, um, uh, he said to, uh, to, uh, to Moses that uh, he was upset with uh, Miriam. And then uh, he struck her with leprosy. And uh, Moses was also upset for his sister's sake. I mean, uh, Moses was uh, uh, such a man that loved that he counted his life as worthless if those around him were not enjoying God's protection. He, he would uh, stand and want to defend even those that were ready to kill him. But uh, when God will say, okay, move out of the way, Moses, I'm ready to deal with th these people, God will say, uh, Moses will say, God, you'd rather take me out, you know, but uh, let your grace, let your grace be upon these people. And so uh, God just struck uh, Miriam with, uh, with leprosy and uh, she had to be put out of the camp. She had to be separated from the people, separating them that the people do not catch uh, her, her sickness. That's uh, the spirit of uh, criticism, of course. And, uh, but Moses made the whole congregation a standstill for the duration of her punishment. He made no move from there. Why? Because he didn't want anyone to be left behind. That is the heart of God for me. The heart of God. You know, uh, sometimes I've lost it. I've said, you know, those that don't want to move forward with God, well, God, let them deal with their own uh, stupidity. If they want to remain stagnant, uh, don't want to grow, that is their, that is, uh, their desire. But uh, Moses, he lost days waiting for one to be corrected and then uh, reintegrated uh, again into the church. And so listen to... Um, Matthew 25, verse 1. 
Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lambs and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of, the, five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lambs and took no oil in them. Okay, let's put it in this scenario. Ten of them were invited that a bridegroom was coming, and they so much as took their Bibles and went to a meeting place. And five of them went to the Bible and began to read the processes of how it works. When exactly does a bridegroom come? And of course, if you read on, it says nobody knows when the bridegroom. Verse 13 says this. It says, watch therefore, for you know not the day nor the hour when the Son of Man shall come. I know people like Hall Lindsay, they wrote tons and volumes of books on when the imminent coming of Jesus was and have discredited the church immensely because their prophecies of the imminent coming of Jesus has not happened yet. Scripture says nobody knows. But that's why I'm saying our lives must be continuously a preparation of when the bridegroom will come. And so the foolish virgins just took their Bibles and went along, mindless, mindless, having no clue when the bridegroom comes, how is he going to come, what is he going to be doing, what hour he will come, and just nothing. And the five, it means half of the church is preparing itself so that when they meet with Jesus, they have a knowledge how to salute him, when to bow, when to, what songs they, they need to sing. The foolish ones, they just go along and say, well, we will see when he gets there. We'll see what the others are doing and then we will do that. But watch what happens. It's verse 5, it says, While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. <clears throat> Listen. They all slumbered and slept. But the five slumbered being prepared. The other five slumbered, no preparation. So there was the suddenness when the sound was made and at midnight there was a cry or there was an announcement. Behold, a bridegroom cometh. Go out and meet him. Then everybody wakes up. Oh, suddenly, oh, the Lord is here. Oh, uh, the blessings of God are falling. And suddenly um, the five virgins uh, the foolish ones, that they rise up and want to put their light on. There is no oil in the lamps. Now it's time. Hey, how, how do you pray? 
What, what is a procedure? Or today's word is, what is a protocol? How do we do these things here? The other five uh, said uh, that there's no time right now. And we can't share what we have because uh, we just got enough for ourselves. And they said, oh, well, go to the merchants where they sell. <clears throat> the five then ran off to go, I, I don't know, in our today's terminology, where would they be running to? Listen to CDs? Go now and read books? I don't know. But the reality is, have you been preparing yourself to meet the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about in death. I am talking about how you walk with him that you can become the agency through which salvation is brought to the dying world. I'm not talking about in death. Don't run to death. Run to Christ. Experience life first in Christ so that you're better prepared for the world to come that is occupied by purity, occupied by the spirit of the living God. Do not be foolish. Do not be slack. Do not allow your faith to be downgraded into just, uh, well, whatever will be, will be. It is by, by the word of God that we keep ourselves afloat in Christ Jesus. We have to learn to stay connected. And we can never say, well, I am connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. I can do my own worship at home. Yes, it is good to do that. But iron will always sharpen iron. Even if you're a secret believer... The name of Jesus is not allowed in your home. Somehow, when you have a desire to know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, God will make a way for you. God always makes a way. He is never short of ideas. He knows exactly where you are. He knows you by name. He knew you before you entered your mother's womb. And in your mother's womb, he gave you purpose. And the enemy has tried to keep you away from God's purpose by planting all the foolish religions over your life. But I, I am calling you to men like Abraham who stayed on course in spite of what their bodies were telling them, in spite of what is happening around us, the economy looking so very shaky, our health hanging by a thread. But I ask you today that you stay on course in faith that Jesus is able to make a way even if there seems to be no way. Because the reality is Jesus is not going to come and make a way. It is his word that will teach you how to find the way. It is faith in God through his word. Do not run up to somebody to prophesy over you because you don't know what he ate. You don't know what he's been meditating on. Learn to lean on the word of God because it, is, it has been written. It cannot be changed. 
And we are encouraged by Abraham this morning that he believed God against all odds. I don't know what odds you are up against, but I am telling you today, if you will stay in faith, Jesus Christ is able to pull you through. He will show you the way out of your situation, but he doesn't just show you a way out of your situation and leave you uh, 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 roadless. He will take you out of and put you into once we were lost, can you imagine if then uh, he unveiled our eyes? I mean, you, you read uh, Luke 24. The guys walking towards Emmaus, they, were, they found themselves in this dilemma. What they had trusted, what they had believed in has now just unraveled. And Jesus came alongside them and he began to give them the word but it was as they invited Jesus into their lives and said, stay with us for the day is done. Maybe today it is your day, your day of being a self-made man or self-made woman. Maybe it is coming to an end where you come to the end of your rope. That is when faith in Jesus needs to come to the forefront. Jesus does not deliver you out of your darkness and allow you to just wander everywhere. He will put you into a family. And when you come into a family, you will never walk alone. You will never be lonely. Come to Jesus today. I'm not talking about uh, coming just to follow blindly. You need to know what you are following. And the word of God is a proper guide how to stay on course with God. God left us his word, man. You know, in the Old Testament, they trusted in prophets because those prophets uh, uh, knew how to have fellowship with God. But in these last days, the word of God tells us very clear. For in the last days, God has spoken by his son. And the son is you and I. Those that are born again, we have been asked to be an example. We have been asked to walk with integrity. We have been asked to watch our language. Watch what we speak. Most of us have prophesied over our own lives erroneously and destroyed our future. But God's word, God's word will restore us again. That's a beauty and a hope that we have in Jesus. You know, he, he doesn't uh, stay angry forever. And at, uh, at the same time, he says, uh, the word says, uh, God will not um, he will not contend with man forever. There's a time that God will draw. We see, we'll say, okay, I've given you enough time. If you don't want to change, well, you will have to just follow the consequences of your stubbornness. I wish some of us could be stubborn in faith. But most are stubborn in unbelief. I wish we could get so stubborn in faith that it doesn't matter. Just like this old buck man. Hundred years, hundred year old man. I mean, here we are so young and we're already given up in having children. 
He was a hundred years old. He saw Sarah was done and dusted. But he allowed the word of faith, the word of promise, the word of prophecy to remain in force. And he was blessed with a son of promise in whom the nations of the earth are blessed even today. Would you become the son of promise who will perpetuate the promise of God that God's word remains in force no matter, it is not governed by circumstances. It's not governed by the day. It's not governed by distance. It is not governed by anything at all. God's word is governed by would you believe or you won't believe. It might be today that you can't believe. But doesn't change God's word for your tomorrow. It remains in force. God remains in love with you. Because in his love, he bequeathed his life to you. You see, Jesus did not bequeath as his legacy blessings, lands, cars. He bequeathed his life. That the life that you must live is the life that he would live. Not he wants to force his life over you. He wants you to accept it. When you accept it, things must flow. But the enemy will come and test that. That's why you have to remain in faith. That's why you've got to contend for your faith. In other words, you've got to fight for your faith. I don't know what enemies you are facing today, but the biggest enemy we face is unbelief. And we have made the devil the big, uh, big boss, or the devil, you know, done this and the devil done that. No, no, he didn't. He just simply planted a thought to you and you developed it. I mean, right now, you hear people that uh, um, sleep with their guns and they're under their pillow. But God, God wants to set you free. He wants you to have a, a good night's sleep. He wants you to not to wake up and uh, shoot your own family because you think uh, they are intruders in your house. I know it's difficult for some people right now. I know that. I do not downplay it. But I'm just saying to you, let's come back to God. Let's come back to God. Not with our mouths. Let's come back to God with our whole life. Jesus gave, or God gave his only begotten son. He did not give in half measure. He gave the totality of himself. Come back to God. Come back to prayer. Come back to life. Because there's a dying world that's depending on you. You might just have a word that is so critically important to the next generation 
that is going to take the world by storm. You could just be that catalyst. But because you so downgrade yourself, you are so ready to talk yourself out of God's blessings because you depended so much on yourself. Lean more on God. Lean more on God. I invite you today to go through the book of Romans. Maybe one, two. It's a bit difficult because really the law is being put in and put in. But go a little further. And you will see the love of God being portrayed really laid bare. Paul gives of his life and how he saw God working in his own life. You know, we read that scripture, oh, wretched man, who shall save me? But we never think, why does he think his life was wretched? Some some say he got saved and then he discovered that he was a wretched being. Yes, indeed. But it wasn't out of rejection. But he was beginning to compare his past life to his new life. And he found how wretched he was in his own wisdom. In his understanding of the law, he was a man that was astute in law of the flesh, but bankrupt in the law of the spirit. So go and read it. Just... Just discover the man. Discover his thoughts. Discover why he was brought to that position where he would wonder, why would God save a wretch like me? Discover that in Romans. Take it slowly, but read to uncover God. Read to uncover the love of God the fellowship of his Holy Spirit, his lasting legacy, the plan that he has for you as an individual. He loves you. He loves you. Man, you can be the most horrible person. You are the way you are because you do not know God. And God wants you to be free. He wants you to be free. But I'm telling you what, no matter how his heart bleeds for you, if you won't change, you won't accept, he's not going to force you. He's not going to force you. Circumstances could arise that will drive you to your knees. Don't wait for that time. Now is the time. Now is accepted day of the Lord. Come to Jesus. Salvation is for you. God bless you as you make up your mind to follow Jesus today. The day is far spent. Some of you are old. You have argued yourself of how late it is Can you imagine if Abraham engaged in that foolishness? 
No, he just simply decided, I will trust God. And the evidence are there. It's only the blind that refuse to see. Don't remain in blindness and in darkness. Come to the light. God bless you richly. And uh, today, we're going to have communion. We want to seal even this word. I pray that you would, should have maybe warned you before we started this morning, that we're going to have communion today. But I pray that you would learn to have communion at every point when the word of God is being spoken to you. Learn how to keep communion because it is the sealing of the covenant. May the Lord seal you in his grace as we partake this morning of the emblems. I know you know that it has significance. Even when I was in a religious uh, setup, having communion was always of importance. I can't remember how often we, ha we had communion. Was it just some specific Sundays? Was it once a, a month that we would have communion? But the Bible says, as often as you come together, make remembrance of me. And so I remind you this morning, be reminded of the body of Jesus that was broken for you. It was broken specifically that through his blood you might have life and have it more abundantly. It is there. It is for you. It's for you to receive it. If you want to argue, go and argue with God about it. All I'm asking you is do this, Jesus said, in remembrance of me. Let's partake. The Lord bless you be safe until we meet again next week. In Jesus' precious name, amen.